happy moon.
Jeff. Hear you. Testing. Hear you loud. Are you there? Hear you loud and clear. Good. All righty. Joelle. Are you there? Yes. Yes. Good. All right now. Dr. Kemp, can you hear me? Yes. Good evening. Can you hear me? Great. Great. Steve, how you doing? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right. Fired up. Ready to go. All righty. New Year, everybody. Welcome to another evening of Dr. Cliff Burton Friends, featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports in HBCU athletics. We have a great, great show for you tonight. All righty. Um, I want to co-host everybody tell them Happy New Year. Jeff, tell them Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year, folks. Peace and blessings throughout 24. All righty. And the Hall of Famer, volleyball Hall of Famer from Fisk University, Joelle Bauer. Tell him hello. Yes. Hello, everybody. Happy New Year to everyone. Welcome to 2024. Here we go. <laughs> yes, we are. Dr. Kemp, tell everybody. Hello, Chi-Town's finest. Good evening, everyone. Happy New Year's to you. Many blessings ahead for you and your family. All righty. All righty. And we know he's salivating this time of year because we're going to start getting ready for college basketball. March Madness, two months away, even though we still have a Super Bowl to go. Coach Steven, right, tell him hello. Happy New Year, everyone, and may God bless us all and bless you all. All righty. All right, thank you, Steve. All righty. And so let's get started tonight. We have some um, birthdays or remembering the days that people passed. And uh, Dr. Kemp, I'm going to let you talk about, if you will, she passed 12-19, Miss Cicely Tyson, remembering Cicely Tyson. Good evening, everyone. So as we know, one of the best actresses that we know around, Cicely Tyson, 
was born December 12th. I'm sorry, December 19th, 1924, and uh, died January 28th, 2021. She was an American actress known for her portrayal of strong African-American women. She received numerous awards, including three Emmy Awards, a Screen Actors Guild Award, a Tony Award, an Honorary Academy Award, and a Peabody Award. She was known for her critical acclaim performances as Rebecca Morgan in Sounder. That was back in 1972. She was nominated then for, and for that role for both the Academy Award for Best Actress and a Golden Globe Award for Best Actress in a Motion Picture Drama Series. She portrayed the title role in the 1974 television film, The Autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman, which won her two Emmy Awards and nominations for a BAFTA Awards for Best Actress in a Leading Role. She also received another Emmy Award nomination for her role in Benta in the acclaimed series of Roots back in 1977. She continued, Ms. Tyson continued to act in film and television in many, many, many projects, including television and theater. She was named a Kennedy Center honoree in 2015 and in November 2016 received the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which is the highest civilian honor in the United States. In 2020, she was inducted into the Television Hall of Fame. Ms. Tyson was born in the Bronx, New York City, and relocated with her family to East Harlem. Her parents were immigrants from the West Indies, and her father actually arrived in New York City at age 21 and was processed at Ellis Island on August 4, 1919. She was raised in a religious atmosphere underneath the Episcopal Church in East Harlem. Just to name just a few other accolades of Ms. Tyson, she became the first African-American woman to wear an Afro on television in the in the United States in 1962. She has so many roles that um, she has won awards for is just is as uncanny. She is um, also a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. She was married to Mr. Miles Davis. She is the godmother to act to the singer Lenny Kravis. She is godmother to Tyler Perry's son, uh, as well as Denzel Washington's daughter, Katia. And I wonder if you guys knew this. She was also the first cousin of Louis Farrakhan, a longtime mm. leader of the nation of Israel. All right. All righty. We're going to come to you tonight. Steve, first, comment and assist me. Tyson, thank you, Dr. Camp. The first thing that comes to mind when I hear Cicely Tyson's name, it's just class personified. Marlo summed it up very well. She, I mean, she was a strong lady. I didn't realize she was a Delta. Uh, I didn't realize that her father, I didn't, I didn't realize where she came from, the West Indies, and that her father was processed at Ellis Island. I know about Ellis Island. But uh, not only was she a great actress, she gave black women and black young girls, something to look up to until the day she left this earth. And as an actress and a human being and humanitarian, 
She was strong until the end of her life, and she should be celebrated, gone, but never forgotten. Ms. Cicely Tyson. Thank you so much, Steve. Yeah. Our next one to remember for the month, uh, he passed, excuse me, he was born 117, 1942, and uh, passed in 2016. Can't remember the act, act, exact date, but we know him very well. He needs no introduction. The greatest of all time, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. He was an activist, a boxing champion, and one of a kind. None other, formerly known as Cassius Clay, changed his name, Mr. Muhammad Ali Lee. Yeah. Joel, what do you think about the late Muhammad Ali? I think so much of the late great Muhammad Ali. He showed pride. He showed class. He brought boxing. When he boxed, everybody paid attention to who he's boxing. And the way he talked, he had such confidence. It was like, I dare you. You know, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. And he take the, the battle uh, for everybody he's bought. He lived. He, he conquered. Uh, the Olympics, he have a lot to show about pride, our culture, walking up high, and his opponents even respected him. No doubt about it. Thank you so much, Joel. Jeff, I'm going to come to you. Your thoughts on the greatest, Mr. Muhammad Ali. Yeah, bro, that was the man. I tell you what, he, um, he lifted a lot of, of paychecks, man, in that sport. <laughs> a lot of people got paid off, off, off of him in that particular sport but you know as an activist i think nothing was greater with ben when he refused to go into the armed forces because of his beliefs you know when you stand up for what you believe it shows the real humanitarian in you and it shows listen i'm my own man and uh, i'm not afraid to do what i believe is right for my own cause and i think that was one of the best things he's ever done amen jeff amen jeff him bill russell kareem abdul-jabbar when you look at Colin Kaepernick today, you better believe they've taken their cue from Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Jim, give us a comment. Muhammad Ali. Well, like Jeff said, he gave up his career for his beliefs about not wanting to fight in Vietnam. And he did that at the prime of his career, his prime earning time. But even so, he was able to come back and win the title not once, but twice after that. And he's just a great man. And I remember he's, he's a real smack talker, too. Because <laughs> when he when he first changed his name to Muhammad Ali, they, some of the fighters called him Cassius Clay. So I forget the, who it was. But he's like, what's my Sonny name? Liston. Bam. Sonny, yeah. Sonny Liston. Yeah. What's my name? Bam. And yeah. he would just hit him. But the great man, great, greater uh, impact on our culture. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Jim. Mohammed Ali. Gone but never forgotten. All right. Here we go. And we have our Women of the Month. We're starting out this year. Now, we want to remember our final Woman of the Month. We talked about her, and that was Cheryl Miller in November. She was the last one in 2023. We didn't do one for December. So we're starting off the new year, and we couldn't do it any better. Coach C. Vivian Stringer, the legend. Yeah. Coach T. Vivian Stringer, born in Edenborn, Pennsylvania, 
and graduated from Slippery Rock College. This African-American woman would lead three teams to the Final Four. And Cheney State, the only HBCU Division II to go to the Final Four, Iowa, and Rutgers. Her head coaching record, 1,055 and 426 for a 71% winning percentage in her career. We're going to go over all of her accomplishments this month, but she stands in an elite class of only five or six women's coaches to have over 1,000 victories in her career. She retired from Rutgers University a few years ago, and she's nothing but a national treasure. C, Vivian Stringer. Dr. Kemp, she's coming to you. What do you have? This is one coach that I truly admire um, and just love watching her coach. She's such a dynamite lady. Um, and I mean, what else can you say about her? She's just such, such a professional, um, a woman just went through a lot in her coaching um, um, in, in terms of her even raising a child with a with spinal meningitis, but she did not let that take away from educating and, and coaching, nurturing other young women. Um, but I, I'm excited to, and happy that she is our January woman of the month. So mm -hmm. look forward to Thank just so sharing good information about her. Thanks so much. All right. She has a book out called Stand Tall. But Jeff, I want to ask you your thoughts on Coach C. Vivian Stringer. Yeah, when I was looking at it this week, I didn't know too much about her, man. I, I just didn't know too much. I didn't follow her as much. So um, I'm a little lost on that if I need to be as honest as possible. But, man, it's just mm -hmm. incredible what she has done, her accomplishments. Oh, yeah. 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 And uh, we're going to get into her, her, her life. Uh, again, the book on Standing Tall is so deep on all that she went through. And um, just a legend. Just a legend. Steve. Uh, by the way, she went into the Naismith Hall of Fame in 2009, the same year and class as Michael Jordan. Steve, C, Vivian, Stringer. Another uh, one of my coaching heroes, C. Vivian Stringer. How amazing. I don't know if people could understand how amazing it was for her to take Cheney State to the Final Four in the championship game. And I mean you're going up against all the powerhouses. Uh, matter of fact, she and, um, and, uh, shoot, now I'm stuck. When she was at Cheney State, she was with my, my man, John Cheney, who was at Temple, uh, who went to Temple. They were both there at the same time. Then she went on to Iowa and she actually left Iowa while she was coaching there because she wanted her kids to be brought up around black kids so they could identify with them. And she was at Iowa about 11 years and she moved on to Rutgers and she did a great job, but she, she bought the best out of everybody. She won over a thousand games. Uh, she was just tremendous. And, uh, that's, you know, she's 75 years old today and, and, and still looking strong. And, uh, like Marlo touched on having a kid that was ill, you know, she just, she went through a lot and endured and persevered and, uh, She's a winner. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Coach C, Vivian Stringer. Yeah. Jim, I'm going to come to you. Before we do, I want to say hello. Dr. Lavinia Bender, checking in tonight down Alabama. Yeah. James, uh, Coach C, Vivian Stringer. 
Well, as Steve said, that she was the coach at Cheney State along with John Cheney. And a friend of mine, a frat brother of mine named the late Edwin Lawrence hired both of them. And he said that was one of the best things he ever did because they were two great coaches. And, you know, I remember her at Rutgers when she had to deal with Don Imus, you know, mm. calling the Rutgers players nappy. Mm-mm. Mm. And she did, she dealt with that with class. Yeah. I forgot about that incident. Yeah. Yeah. See, Penny Stringer, we have her for a whole month, y'all. She's nothing but a gem, one of the greatest coaches, and we are still pushing to try to get her on this show. Coach Steve Evans Stringer, y'all. Yeah. All righty. And this year, we're going to do our women executive, not of the week, but we're going to do them of the month because um, many of you all have said we need to get to know these women better. So we have one for you from the motherland. Her name? G. B. Masola Abadu. Okay. She's Nigerian American entrepreneur, a business leader, a philanthropist, and known for experience in general management and luxury marketing. Okay. She has a career that spans more than 17 years, where she worked in Nigeria, the Middle East, and the United States. She's currently, though, been appointed the National Basketball Association Africa Vice President and Country Head of NBA. Nigeria, okay? In this position, she leads the league's basketball and business development initiatives to expand the presence of basketball and the NBA in Nigeria. She's the youngest and also the only black woman to run the league office. And in 2022, Abadou received recognition from Sports Illustrated as one of the 100 most influential black women in sports in the world. Additionally, she was listed as one of the ISPO's 30 female change makers shaping the future of sports. So what do you think about Miss Abadou, Miss Joelle Bowers, the Hall of Famer? Yes. I tell you, she is 100. She's a trailblazer right now to watch everything that she's doing, everything that she has done. She is on top of um all i said i would i don't know as much i would like to know more about her and follow her throughout this season just to see how she how she gained how what all she did to gain that and how she's using it to build our hbcus and black people around she's from nigeria and i thank her for her talent she brings here yes thanks so much joelle and she's going to um we often talk about the European players in the NBA, but the most popular, I guess, African player is from Lagos, Nigeria, Akeem the Dream, a large one. But there are a lot of basketball players there, and there's some leagues there sponsored by the NBA, and she's spreading goodwill. Steve, what about her? This Abadou spreading basketball to the motherland. I, I know I don't know if she has, but she will need to write a book because there is no telling what she had to navigate and endure. And she's mm. definitely at the top of her game. She's got to be the best of the best to reach the position that she has. But she needs to write a book to talk about perseverance because you have to be better than everybody else, if you know what I mean. And mm -hmm. she obviously is. So hopefully one day, We'd love to get her on the show, but hopefully one yeah. day she'll write a book and, and, and talk about her experiences and how she rose to the top and at, at the position that she has. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Kemp, your thoughts. Miss Abadu. I totally agree with Steve. I just put it in the chat. Uh, she is one phenomenal young lady. Um, is, 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 what can you say about her is she has so much talent and I mean, her, her, with her diverse professional background, she's worked at other organizations such as, uh, Louis Vuitton, Walt Disney, Clorox yep. company, Polo, you name it. One of her favorite players was of course my man, Kobe Bryant and it's just what can you say she has done a, a lot a lot and with her position she's gonna definitely gonna lead the nba uh nigeria as well as um other connections um into a better 2024 and beyond yes 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 we'll keep up with all months miss g b masola abadu oh yeah all right we're at interconference play, and this week we're covering the CIAA and the SIAC. And here we go. In the women's division, conference records in the Northern Division, Virginia Union, 3-0, Virginia State, 3-1, Bowie State, 3-1, Lincoln, PA, 3-1, Bluefield State, 1-2, Elizabeth City, 0-3. In the Southern Division, Fayetteville State is 3-0, Shaw, 1-1, Livingston, 1-1, St. Augustine's 1-2, Johnson C. Smith, 1-2, and, and Claflin, 1-4. And we have Winston Salem pulling up the rear at 0 and 3. Okay, now let's talk about some leading scorers. Okay, a real Harris from Bowie State, 20.5 points a game. Alexis Newman, 17.9 points a game. Okay, Anila Bryant, she has 16.2 points per game. Alexa Radcliffe, she has 15.1 points a game. And now Lady from the G Union. 15.1 points per game. And so that would make up the top five scorers in the CIAA. Let's go to the SIAC in the Eastern Division. This is a conference record. Fort Valley State, four and two. Savannah State, three and two. Edward Waters, two and three. Allen, one and three. Clark, one and four. Albany State, one and five. Benedict, oh and five. In the Western Division, Miles, four and oh. Kentucky State, six and oh. Tuskegee, three and two. Lamont Owen, three and two. Lane, three and two. Central State, three and three. And we have Spring Hill at two and three. Now, let's talk about these scores in the SIAC. Jemiah Harris from Meyer, 18.4 points a game. Gratian here from Kentucky State, 17.8 points a game. Marta Duda from Spring Hill, 16.4 points a game. Kellen Hunter from Spring Hill, 14.1 points a game. And Talia Dilworth from Kentucky State, and she rounds it out at 14.1 points a game. We'll have a quick break, and then we're going to come right back with the men's basketball, CIAA and SIC. Welcome back, Dr. Cliff Burton, friends, featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBC athletics. We want to say welcome to our engaged listeners on the line. Joelle, take us away. The men's division, CIAA 
and SIAC. Me and CIAA. Here we go in the Northern Division. We have Lincoln re leading with a 3 1. Virginia State leading with a next with a 2 1. Bluefield State with a 3 2. Elizabeth City State with a 1 1. Boys State with a 1 3. Virginia Union with a 0 2. Leading in the conference overall, Lincoln with a 7-7 seven, seven, and Virginia State with a 7-6. In the Southern Divisions for the CIAA, we have Wisdom Salem State with a 3-0. Congratulations. Claflin with a 1-1. One one. Shaw with a 1-1. One one. I don't know why they're standing there, but Livingston with a 2-2. Two, two. Johnson C. Smith with a 1-2. Fayetteville State with a 1-2. St. Augustine with a 1-2. They're also leading in the overall with a 9-3 for Winston-Salem State and Claflin with a 4-4. Next, we are going to the AC as we, men's basketball state, as we lead with the East, Benedict with a 5-0, Morehouse with a 5-0. Congratulations. Savannah State with a 4-1, Allen with a 3-1. Edward Waters with a 3-2. Albany State with a 3-3. Fort Valley State with a 3-3. Clark Atlanta with a 1-3. Overall is Benedict with a 10-0. Morehouse with a 7-4. Congratulations to Benedict and Morehouse for having shutouts right now. Uh, in the West, we have Miles with a 2-2. Spring Hill with a 3-3. Lemoyne Owen, 3-3. Also Lane with a 3-3. Tuskegee with a 1-5. Central State, 1-5. Kentucky State with a 0-6. Overall, in the West, we have Miles in the lead still with a 7-3 and Spring Hill with a 6-6. So congratulations for these standings and thank you. All righty. Well, thanks so much. As we all see, things are warming up. CIAA, SAAC, and all conference games from here until the end of February when those tournaments uh, take place. So again, thank you, Joel. Great job. Now, we have a comeback. We want to mention this. In tennis, Naomi Osaka has returned to tennis. She took some time off. She became a mom, and uh, she's actually playing in the Brisbane Tennis Tournament. It's a for the first uh, Grand Slam of the world of the year, the Australian Open, and she won her first match, I believe, yesterday. So we are just elated for Miss Osaka. Excuse me, Osaka, Naomi Osaka. Give me your opinion on that, one, Jim. I know you've been keeping up. Naomi Osaka returns. Well, when Naomi started, she was, she's been my favorite player. So I'm real excited to see her at the Brisbane Open. She struggled a little bit, but that's expected. But I think that, you know, the Brisbane Open is a tune-up for the Australian Open, which happens later on this month. And Naomi has won that twice. So I'm hoping that she will do well in this tune-up and then come out and kick butt in the Australian Open. Absolutely. And she and the other thing I said, she's young enough. Yeah. To make this comeback. Now, when Serena did it, she was in her mid to late 30s. But Naomi's in her mid 20s, and I think she'll be all right. Oh, yeah. She'll be great. She'll be great. 
All right, we're gonna keep up with that story. We're gonna take about a 30 second break and we're coming right back. And Jim, it's gonna be you. Dr. Clifford and Friends feature the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. And yes, we're going to give you more. Jim, a lot of excitement. College football. Take us away. And we have two undefeated teams. And guess what? They both are playing for the championship. Michigan beat the Alabama team 27 to 20 in overtime as Blake Corum scored a touchdown and then the Michigan defense held Jalen Milrow out of the end zone on fourth and goal. They'll be facing the Washington Huskies with runner-up, the Heisman Trophy runner-up, Michael Phoenix Jr., who played a brilliant game. And uh, again, they, uh, they made Washington against Texas, made another stop on fourth and goal to preserve the victory. Now, the, the strengths of these teams are going to be challenged. Michigan's defense, which sacked Jalen Milrow six times, mm -hmm. will be tasked to uh, do the same to Michael Phoenix Jr. And Washington's offense, which has three guys beside uh, the quarterback that will probably be in the pros, their, their wide receiver core, is probably the best in the nation. So this is going to be a, a battle that we're looking forward to see on Monday. Now, I'm going to deviate a little bit, a couple things. I just want to say that there's a problem in college, in big college football with this transfer portal because a lot of players set out ball games because they were going to transfer. And Ohio State looked like a shell of themselves because they were down to their third or fourth quarterback. They need to move up the transfer, will move back the transfer portal until all ball games are finished and probably have ball games finished in December. So if you truly want to transfer, you can do it and play in your ball game. Now, on to black college football, which is a real problem. You know, I talked last week about. Uh, McNair, Fred McNair, leaving Alcorn State and going to Texas Southern. But the Board of Regents, two of them want former Houston Texan Andre Johnson to be the coach. So there's a deadlock. Meanwhile, Alcorn State hires another coach. So Fred McNair is out there with no team. Wow. But just yesterday, the coach of Florida A&M left Florida A&M for Duke, not as a head coach, not as an offensive coordinator, but as a running backs coach. And he's going to stand to make much more money 
being the running backs coach at Duke than he did the head coach of FAMU. FAMU tried at the last minute to up his salary about $100,000, but it still was no match. Mm. And, you know, the, you know, we had a great year in black college football. The uh, Celebration Bowl is a great game, but all of, you know, all of that, these coaching issues are going to be put to, the, you know, it's going to be a mess, and I hate it. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Jim, Jim uh, Dr. Kemp had a question for you. Dr. Kemp, ask your question. Um, yes, Jim, th- thanks for that update. I was curious um, in terms of the, the players. Um, I didn't know that they could actually – not play in a bowl game aren't they um student athletes and on scholarship how can they i guess not decide not to play in bowl games well good question now what had happened before was that if you were going in a lot of and a lot of the players did this this year if you're going to go pro you don't take that risk of getting injured in a bowl game there was a young man from michigan i'd say about seven years ago named jake butt he tore his acl in or orange bowl and that cost him money because his pro career wasn't what it should have been. But now if you're going to transfer, because most of these teams that are playing in these bowls that were on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, some of their players are already there. That's freshmen that have graduated from college, from high school. They're already there. And part of the reason that they don't want to play in a bowl, the uh, upperclassmen, is because if school starts January, let's say January 3rd, you're at a ball game, you're at a disadvantage. So, you you know, you have to leave your school to get ready to go to your new school. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Now, going on to the NFL, and there's my friend Renee Spencer there. No, it's Okay, because I will say this. The Detroit Lions were absolutely robbed on <laughs> Saturday. I guess I'm not supposed they, to tap. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, you're supposed to boo for that one, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. All right, there we go. All right, we got there it right. There we go. All right. But they, you know, they, play, they played Dallas neck and neck. And they had a play, which was a tackle-eligible play, that, number one, they told the ref and had diagrammed it for the ref on the grease board before the game. <laughs> now, part of the deception on that play is that uh, uh, their Panay Sewell and the, uh, the Taylor Decker went up to the referee, didn't say anything to him. Well, not uh, – Taylor Decker did. He spiked his jersey and said eligible. Now, Panay Sewell in a play last year had a similar play where he caught a pass. So they were doing this to trick the Dallas defense. And uh, number 70, which is Dan Skipper, just came running by. The referee said 70 was eligible, which is Dan Skipper, and not 68, which is Taylor Decker. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they ran the play to perfection touchdown what two-point conversion referee flew a flag saying that the other guy didn't report and he did report then at the end after the game because they tried it twice didn't make it they lost by one because he was going for the win the referee said that 
number 70, Dan Skipper, was lined up as a tackle. He was lined up as a guard. So this referee, uh, Mr. Allen, has had a couple of uh, high-profile flubs. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the penalties will he won't be doing anything in the playoffs. But still, this one game cost the Lions the chance to play for second place, which meant they'd had two home games, up to two home games, and gave it to Dallas. So what probably happen is if both the teams win, they'll play that game in Dallas instead of Detroit. Now, okay. moving on to the standings. You know, you, the Miami Dolphins are going to play the Buffalo Bills for the AFC East title on mm-hmm. Sunday. Baltimore Ravens are safe, comfortable in the number one position in the AFC, and the Cleveland Browns have already clinched the playoff spot. In the AFC South, where three teams are nine and seven, the Jaguars play the Titans. They have the easier route, and the Colts and the Texans, both at nine and seven, play each other on Sunday. The Kansas City Chiefs have clinched the AFC West and a playoff spot. And Pittsburgh and Buffalo and the Colts and the Texans and Jaguars, whoever loses, are fighting for the three wildcard, two wildcard spots. In the East, the Dallas Cowboys in a virtual tie with the Eagles, but the Dallas gets the better record. The Dallas gets the number, the, uh, NFC East Championship if both win out or lose out because they have a better conference record. Again, that supposed loss against Detroit would have changed that around. Wow. The the Lions are firmly entrenched as the NFC North champs. Green Bay and Minnesota and possibly Chicago are all fighting for a wild card. You said Chicago. Uh-oh. Chicago Chicago has a chance. It, a lot of things have to happen. But Chicago does have a chance to be in the playoffs. And NFC South, you've got Tampa Bay and New Orleans tied at 8-8. Eight eight. Tampa Bay gets the, uh, gets the nod if both win out because of conference record. Atlanta Falcons have a short shot. The San Francisco 49ers have pretty much clinched the number one seed in the NFC. And the Rams have clinched the playoff spot, and Seattle is fighting those of aforementioned teams for a playoff spot. Wow. Now, my top five will be, of course, the uh, Baltimore Ravens who have beaten all comers. Then the uh, San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to throw a monkey wrench in here. I'm going to put the Detroit Lions, the Cleveland Browns, and then the Dallas Cowboys in my top five. All right. Now, Tiger Woods did a uh, did a, 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 a clinic for some players, for some HBCU players, mm-hmm. which he – From Prairie View, he met a young lady, and uh, he was doing a shoot for one of his uh, sponsors. And then he uh, met with the whole team. He met a lady in Florida, 
Then he met with the whole team in Georgia at a golf course and gave them some tips on the golfing game. You know, we give Tiger Woods a hard time for a lot of things, but, you know, he's got his first tee initiative, which, you know, gives us, I know a young man in Florida that got a first tee scholarship to play golf. And he does a lot of other things in the name of black golfers. Yeah. So Alrighty. I will sign up on that. Thanks so much, Tim. Thanks so much, Tim. We'll be back. Basketball, Steve, check us up in about 30 seconds. He gets fired up this time of year after Christmas. Men's college basketball, NBA, now to June. Here we go. Steve. Hey, hey. Well, NCAA, is a lot going on right now because the uh, conferences are starting starting to ramp up. Uh, some conferences have played uh, one or two games, and others like the SEC and the ACC, they're getting going like tonight and this week. So, Matter of fact, Pittsburgh and North Carolina are playing right now. But the top 10, we have Purdue remain number one at 12 and one. Kansas at number two at 12 and one. Houston is one of uh, three undefeated teams at 13 and 0. They're number three. UConn is 11 and two at number four. Uh, They may take some hits because their big man, Donovan Klingon, is going to be out for about three more weeks. He hurt his foot. Tennessee is number five at nine and three. Kentucky is six at 10 and two. Marquette is number seven at 11 and three. North Carolina is eight at nine and three. Illinois is nine at 10 and two. They're going to probably drop out. Uh, now I'll explain that in a minute. And number 10 is Arizona at 10 and two. Arizona has dropped from, uh, they dropped uh, out of the top five to number 10 because they lost to Stanford by 18 points, six and six Stanford by 18 points. Uh, uh, thank you, Tommy Lloyd. But, uh, but uh, Illinois, uh, they, their best player and probably was headed for the first team, high, uh, first team college All-American, Terrence Shannon, is facing a serious charge and I can say this because yeah. it happened. He's been charged with rape. It's something that happened, I think, in August, and uh, he did turn himself in. Uh, so we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, we still have three undefeated teams: Houston at thirteen and zero, James Madison at thirteen and zero, and Ole Miss at thirteen and zero. That's where Chris Beard is uh, at Ole Miss, who. Uh, beat up his girlfriend last year and uh, was able to get a job. Uh, Florida Atlantic dropped out of the top 10 because they lost to Florida Gulf Coast. These teams are so inconsistent right now. If if you want to 
college coaches cannot make adjustments. If you've got a team and they have better talent, but you think you can beat them, all you have to do is make them think. Make them have to make an adjustment because they cannot do it. it it's, uh, uh, it's awful. Uh, some other teams like you have BYU, Oklahoma, Colorado State, Utah, uh, and Colorado. I think Colorado's going to probably win the Pac-10. But um, those are some teams that are playing well. Memphis is playing well. Uh, Memphis was in my personal top 10 to start the year. They were my personal. They weren't in anybody else's top 10, but they were in my personal top 10. And the top five leading scores, it did not change. Tommy Bruner from Denver, 24.7. Xavier Johnson from Southern Illinois, 24.6. They have a big game tonight against Belmont. And I think the over under that game is like 160. They'll probably get it. Uh, James Blackman Jr., 24.1. Stetson, Zach Eady, 23.2 from Purdue. And Tyson Acuff. 23.0 from George Gervin's alma mater, Eastern Michigan. And yeah. that's what I got for college, unless anybody has a question or wants to ask something. That's what I have for the college scene. For the All pros. Right. For the pros. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, happy 39th birthday to King James. He turned 39 <laughs> years of age on December 30th. Uh, Cannot believe it that he's still playing like he is at, at 39 years of age. Uh, Detroit, and Jim will be happy with this, ended a 28-game <laughs> losing streak yeah. by, by beating Toronto 129-127. to And then they lost the next game, so they're starting the streak over again. They're 3-3. <laughs> Yeah, three and thirty at this time. I feel sorry for Kay Cunningham because he's uh he's been killing all year and he uh God bless his heart. Uh, Jim said he got his wings. I got my wings. Jim Steve. said he got my wings for the Pistons win. <laughs> <laughs> hey, go ahead, tell him, Jeff. Go ahead, tell him, Jeff. They had a they had a deal. I think when they lost ten in a row, Wingstop said they would give out five free bonus wings when the Pistons win. <laughs> so they won on uh, Saturday night, and on Sunday I went up there, waited in line, and got my five free bonus wins. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Uh, and we did have a trade. Uh, the New York yeah. Knicks and the Toronto Raptors, and I really think it's a trade that'll work out for both teams. Yeah. Uh, yeah. New York sent R.J. Barrett and. Uh, Emmanuel quickly to Toronto, and R.J. Barrett is from Toronto. Uh, and uh, in return, the Knicks got A.G. Ananobi and Precious Achua, who played his college ball here in the state of Tennessee, where I am at Memphis. And uh, they have all started playing for their new teams, except Achua has yet to hit the floor for his his new team, but. Uh, R.J. Barrett had 19 and quickly had 14, <clears throat> excuse me, on their first night with uh, with Toronto. And Anobi had 17 with the Knicks. And both of them 
won those games. So maybe it's a sign of things to come. Aaron Gordon, power forward for the Denver Nuggets, was bitten by a dog on the face and on the arm, and he received 21 stitches. And they don't know when he'll be back. Uh, that's 21 stitches. I mean, you know, they, that really messed him up. So Denver's going to take a hit in that department. So, you know, some people going to have to step up for that team for them to uh, maintain where they are. Kevin Durant moved into 10th place on the NBA's all-time scoring list. Yes, sir. Yep. Tim Reaper. Yeah. And his ex-teammate, Russell Westbrook, moved into 25th place on the all-time. I'm happy. Shout out, shout out to West. He gets a bad rep. But West, West is all to play. The scoring lead, nothing changed. Joel Embiid is still out with the ankle. I'm not sure if he's suiting up tonight. I don't think he is. But 35 a game. Luka Doncic, 33.4. Shea Gilgis Alexander, 31.2. Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek Freak, 30.9. De'Aaron Fox at 30.0. And uh, these teams right now are... You know, you got your, you got Boston, you've got Milwaukee, you've got Philadelphia in the East. I think those three are maintained. In the West, you've got some teams that are playing good, like um, Minnesota, who's up top, Sacramento. I don't think they will maintain. I think uh, you'll have people like the Lakers who are going to come up and uh, do some catching up. I don't think Golden State will. I think that their time has passed, and Denver yeah. will be formidable again once they get going. And the Clippers, and the Clippers, they're, they're playing well. And Phoenix, you can't count out in time. You got three bucket getters like they can get, and uh, yeah, and you and Big Jerkic at uh, Nurkic at the center. You know they've got something to work with. Uh, they said Durant's not happy with his uh, uh, supporting cast, and uh, there's a reason, and uh, it's a good one. So. Uh, quick yeah. Quick question before we have to go to this great and very important segment with Jeff. James said he thinks the Knicks gave up too much, giving up quickly as well. What are your thoughts before we go to the break and come back with the segment finally free with Jeff? I, Jeff. I, I, I agree with him wholeheartedly because I, I, I understand the Barrett, but quickly, I, I, <sighs> It would have been hard for me to throw quickly in there. I would have tried to keep quickly. I would have, I would have tried to work something out uh, quickly as a player. And I told somebody else, I said, you know, they really gave up something when they gave up quickly. I said, because he's one of the players that can come in off the bench and heat up. He can start anywhere, but he comes in off the bench. He can heat up. And uh, I, I, that's a hit to me. I, I agree with Jim. That's a hit for me giving up quickly. I, I, I would have tried anything not to not to give him up. He's a big piece, so you know it may come to bite him, especially with Tibbs as your coach. Uh, you know, you really giving up something. So yeah. All right. Great job, Steve. Great job, Jim. Gonna take a quick thirty second break, and we're coming back with a tremendously important segment. You want to stay around for it. 
All right. Welcome back. Now, good morning, friends. Featuring the absolute very best in all of women's sports and HBCU athletics. We have many people join us here. Uh, Hall of Fame at University basketball player Red Nate in the house. We have Benita Hayes from Music City. Ambrosia. We have JGFQ, KKAZ. I'm not sure who that is. Welcome to the show. The number of engagements has gone up. We have 34 listeners, and I'm so glad that they've joined us for this great section. Jeff's going to lead it. The section's called Finally Free. It's a part two. We talked about a few weeks ago. It was a young man who was wrongly convicted, and after 19 years, he was let go or free. It was Marvin Haynes. But unfortunately, this story is way too common in a system, our justice system, or should sometimes we say our injustice system, or should we say as African-Americans, our just us system, depending on which way you want to look at it. This story and this item, we have to talk about. So I'm going to let him, Jeff, take us away and lead us on this topic. And we're going to give you, we want the full 25, 30 minutes, okay? We're not going to cut it short. Remember to type in the chat, y'all. Jeff. Oh, good evening, folks. Happy New Year. Uh, listen, this is a very, very important subject. And please, if you need to step in and ask a question, just shoot your questions. Um, we want to get mo most opinions we can get on this. Uh, every word, every voice counts in this situation. Uh, I don't know if everyone realizes, but the United States has the highest amount of uh, people incarcerated in the world. Let's say that again. These, these United States have the highest amount of people incarcerated in the world. Let's look at the why. Let's take that why and put it in the corner because we're going to always come back to that. You always have to ask yourself, why? Why is this going on in, in this country like it is? And so that's one of the things that, that's real, real important. Um, in my business, I've been in uniform protection security for a long time, retired now. But one of the things that I noticed as people, in particular young men, come in for employment, of course, we run a background check on everyone. One of the things that I noticed is that 50 to 60% of the men, African-American men that have come in, have had some type of blemish on their record. We run a black background check and there's a red flag that comes up. They've been arrested for some particular reason. Uh, of course, in my business, you can't hire folks that have a something on their record and it's uh, less than less than seven years. So you have to have a seven year stint uh, to get it removed off your record. And that presents a problem to our community because now we take our young men and women and sometimes and cannot employ them. That is an immediate, immediate uh, uh, deficit to the family, as we know. Everyone understands this. But we really don't know why is it such a high level. So when I say a red flag, anything could come up on your record if you're detained or arrest, arrested for any reason. You might not be convicted, but if you are arrested, if you're arrested, it's on your record. That's just the fact of life. And understand that follows you. It follows you wherever you go. You apply for a job, you run a background check, you have to explain why you're arrested. 
anything you anything you do, it'll come up on you. And so uh, one of the things that has troubled me over the past is that I have to deny or have had to deny many young men and women a job because they've been arrested for whatever reason. We're talking about folks that are wrongfully accused. And I don't think we realize how often this happens. And so some of the things that, that really stick out to me and should with everyone else is what are the things that you can be wrongfully accused about or it leads to a wrongful arrest? And so we all know one, that's racial profiling. You've probably you've probably experienced it in some way, maybe experienced it and didn't know. If anyone has ever been pulled over, you don't know why you were pulled over, you were doing the speed limit, you weren't doing anything illegal on the road, got your seatbelt on, you're not smoking visibly in the car or drinking in the car where someone could notice a police officer or a trooper or anything, and you wondered why you were pulled over. Well, a lot of the times you've been profiled. I know I've been profiled. I've been profiled uh, on one of my campuses that I work at. I used to work at in Baltimore, John Hopkins campus. And we have campus police, but we had some of the county police that were on site. And I came into work and they pulled me over. <laughs> it, it was, it was funny. Up. It was funny because I thought I knew all of the police officers that worked in our vicinity, but they actually pulled me over and, you know, they asked me a couple of questions for identification and so forth. My staff actually ran out of one of the buildings and said, no, that's our boss. And, you know, one of those things, but you can be pulled over for at, at any particular time. One of the things that's very important is to have your ducks in a row when you go out of your house. Meaning that when you go out and you get on the road, one, you know your rights as a citizen, very important. Know your rights at all times as a citizen so you know how to address issues as they come up. Uh, the other thing is to have all your credentials in order, whether it's your license, insurance, registration, make sure the car is registered, reg the registration is tight on the car. All of that has to be in place. You don't want to have, or we should say, leave any openings to, to, to be questioned while you're out on the road. That's very, very important. Can't stress it enough. It's even more important that you teach your children these things. Mm -hmm. uh, my father <clears throat> made sure he started to teach me about the road before I was able to drive. That's very important. You don't wait till you put a license in your child's hand and then say, listen, there's some extra things that you need to know outside of the traffic, you know, the traffic laws, red light, green light. No, you got to know some things about what you're going to face on the road if you're pulled over at any time, if you get into an accident and so forth. So this is very, very important. I cannot stress that enough. So be mindful, racial profiling is a thing. Uh, and how you react when you're profiled and when you're pulled over is another is another thing altogether. And so I want to touch on another thing, but does anyone have any questions, Cliff, on yeah. that particular yeah. part right there? We're gonna have a few comments and then I'm here we're gonna have some questions. Renee Spencer says the reason for all these arrests to reduce the black population. I'll add to that, Renee, reduce the voting black population. When you get arrested, you can't vote. Dr. Kemp, 
hidden racism. And I'm going to open up the mic. Joel, your first question, comment for Jeff on this topic. Joel. Yes. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for bringing this topic to a highlight too. But this racial profiling to me is even deeper than that. We look at uh, prison population and yes, we say those are incarcerated. But as an educator, I will tell you in high school, they start first punishing those little kids. You can get suspended for not having a belt, for talking too loud. What we, what some of the teachers used to call out of the box. If you cause attention from the side eye or raise your voice or anything, you can be sent to the office. You'd be sent to the office more than twice. You got to do in-school suspension, then go to out-of-school suspension. If you're absent, for too many days, you got to report to juvenile and so many things. It stays on the kid's record. And once they go from high school, then they start talking about, like Renee said, and we agree, voters' rights. Not only that, property rights. Anybody that have property, they will raise those taxes on you or come after you with public domain or anything they want to do. Next is uh, college admittance. You, it's hard to get into college if something's on your record. Absolutely, absolutely. I appreciate that. So let's just touch on those two things right there. Let's go from uh, the child, the, the grade school. One of the things that I found that is very important and it's kind of overlooked is that you start to learn and you're trained from the home. Very important. Your problems don't start when you finally become of age and are sent to school and get out in the street. Oftentimes, the issues that you occur, it occurs early in age in the home. And so that's one of the most important things to start. It affects the child's mental stability. It affects the child, how they socially deal with others. There is that respect, that level of respect that you learn as you're coming up, which transfers into the schools then when you leave the schools and you get on the road it transfers on the road it transfers with authority myself being a being an amateur coach for many years it is transferred into the sporting you know sporting arena with me how i dealt and had to deal with some of the young players under me all of that comes from or your head start comes from your early childhood we need to understand that as a people that if we want to fight this thing, it has to be, we have to do it from the home. That's the first initial thing. When you mentioned about voters' rights, that's huge. That is huge. And the powers to be know this. And in my opinion, listen, all these opinions, don't, please don't blame the host Clifton Burton, Clifton Burton friends, but they are trying to take away some of our rights and voters' rights is one of them. I believe that in my heart, no question about it. I don't think it's going to be fully possible, but I think the effort is there. And so we have to take that into consideration that everything you do, once again, is going to be a blemish on your record and it will affect you throughout your days and your journey through life. That is a fact. Any other questions? Yeah, we got some more. We got some mm -hmm. more. Uh, I'm going to come to James for the next question or comment on this subject. And, and again, we, we, we encourage our guests, type your questions or thoughts in the chat. Jim? 
Well, Jeff, I listened to a show called Exonerated on Urban V Radio. Mm-hmm. comes on Wednesdays at 2 o'clock. And every week they have a, a, a young male who has been wrongfully accused. Some have served 20, 30, 40 years in prison. Mm-hmm. And the common theme always is the police are doctoring evidence. Mm-hmm. The uh, have ineffective counsel. Mm-hmm. Correct. They uh, have an informant that's lying on them. I have a friend of mine that I know. Her brother was convicted because a lady came in and he was in the uh, precinct. And he said, that's the voice that raped me. Mm. And 20 years later, they had to go do a DNA sample and found out it wasn't him. Absolutely. So we have a real problem with, uh, you know, police and even, even DAs that want to get, want to look good and have a conviction, right? Want to get a conviction for a crime. A lot of these people weren't even in the state when they get convicted. Okay. So it's, it's crazy, man. Okay. So Jim, you're, you're right on point. Uh, and these particular circumstances, I think we mentioned that, uh, two weeks ago, these are far more than what we think. There are numerous counts. You can actually just go on YouTube, you know, and search wrongfully commit, wrongfully convicted black men, and you'll see countless stories, countless stories that have been overturned. Uh, and this is the norm now. I hate to say it, but it's the norm. We're finding out this is the norm. So one of the one of the uh, documentaries that's very popular, I, I think I mentioned about uh, Central Park Five, but there's also a documentary about a young man called, I think, think it's um, Latif or Latif Brown, Brown, Brownie or something like that. And uh, he was held in Rikers Island for three years. He was arrested while 16 years old for someone who got, well, had got their backpack stolen. And they just picked him up on the street I did him on the street and said, yeah, he did it and took him to jail. Do you know many of our young people who are arrested for no reason at all don't even have a trial for at least a year? They cannot bail themselves out because they do not have the funds. Their family does not have the funds to bail them out. So they hold them for a long period of time, six months here, eight months here, a year. Do you know what a young child will do to get out of jail? Pretty much anything. Say anything, agree to anything, sign anything under that pressure. That is a heavy, that is a heavy thing to put on a child. And so it's very difficult for our young people and some, some of the older folk, you know, to, 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 to make it through even a week in jail make it through even a week then once you get out now you have to deal with the stigma of that red flag that kept, that follows you throughout your day that is a terrible thing i hired a young man in new york city who went through this this same situation and he was he was arrested wrongfully convicted he never he never confessed to the crime he was never coerced uh when when i hired him he he had been out of jail for about eight years and so I was able to pick him up because he got he got it expunged off of his record. But they tried to coerce him in jail in Rikers Island to confess to the crime. Mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> in Rikers Island, they cut off his toe. Listen to me, folks. This is real. This is real stuff. They cut off his toe to try to get him. Listen, all you need to do is sign on this dotted line and confess to it, and you'll get X amount of time. And he he refused to do it. He refused to do it. And so he took he went through the tragedy in jail, and he finally got out of jail, lived to tell his story, and he, he fought it all the way. And then he took it to civil court. You know, he did what he had to do, but unfortunately. That has to stay with him for the rest of his life. These stories are countless. They are countless. Jim, you are absolutely correct that unfortunately, not all police, not all law enforcement, but some law enforcement, they go through these steps that unfortunately put a bad rap on what we call good cops. And so it's a very difficult thing to deal with. That's why you, number one, have all your ducks in a row, have everything in order, know your particular rights. Nothing is guaranteed to me except the power of the Lord. That's it. That's the only thing that's guaranteed to me. And so do what you have to do. Any other questions? Oh, we got some more. Mm -hmm. I'm going to come back to Joelle, and then I'm coming to Dr. Kemp. Joelle, I want you to talk about what you put in the chat, the things that you put in the chat. I, I, I want us to go in this a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yes, I was talking about the way the actual system is set up. It looks good on TV, like you're going to receive uh, representation, some, whether you can afford it or not. You're going to have a speedy trial. But the actuality of it is, no, you're not going to be have that. And if they give you somebody, they're going to make a side deal on your behalf and you're going to be forced to take it or represent or do the time until it does get out. All these cases, all this, everything they're doing is coming to light. And we're starting to realize there were people who've been locked up for years. They were telling people. People. I'm innocent. I've been in here for years, but now we're starting to try with the innocent project and yeah. project freedom and come come to life. Uh, I think it's the actual system within everything that we do because I live in Tennessee and I literally have to fight. I get treated sometimes. I'm a black female. And when I walk in there, sometimes they, until I open my mouth, they may look or treat me. So I may have to stand, for instance, stand in a line for 20 minutes full of people like they don't see me standing there. I understand. I appreciate that, Joelle. That's very important. And you're right. Uh, I think that that um, program you're talking about is the Innocence Network. I think there's yeah. a website called the innocencenetwork.org. You can check that for me, Cliff. And yeah. uh, We'll put that put that in the chat, but you're absolutely right, Joe. I think one of the things that's very important is that every representation is not always going to be the best representation. Uh, most people that cannot afford it, they have state attorneys. You know, they say that some of them are not doing the best job that they can possibly do for you. It's hard to know who to trust. It's difficult to know who to trust. One thing I will say, it's not in your best interest to go without representation. I will say that because most of us have no experience in that field, in that realm of what to say, how to navigate, you know, through particular things in a courtroom. So try as best as possible to get representation. Uh, if, it's a, if it's a court appointed attorney, you know, you do what you can. 
try as best as possible if you have the access to your parents to have them get involved and ask questions as well. At no particular time, if you are arrested, do you speak without some representation there? Because it can put you in a jam. Understand that everything that you say, everything that you do, everything that is found in your possession will be held against you in a court of law. That is a promise. It's a guarantee that will happen. I said it last week and I'll say it till for the rest of my days, the first 24 hours that you're held uh, in custody and you're being interviewed, those are the most tragic times because they will try to get all that information out of you, in particular if you are a minor and you are a minor and you're giving up information and you sign your name on the dotted line, that will be used against you. Thank you, Joe. That's a, that's a very important point. Anything else, Cliff? Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, we got some things here. Oh, yeah. Let me go to the chat. First of all, James says, my daughter works with the Restorative Justice Program in Georgia, and this has inspired her to go to law school. And Diana, who does our marketing for our show, and I know she has two sons, okay? She loves this show. She put it in two or three times. And, and this is what Dr. Cliff Burton is all about. I'm going to go to Dr. Dr. Clifford friends, excuse me. Uh, I'm going to go to uh, Dr. Kemp, and then Steve, we're coming to you. Keep coming with your statements in the chat, everybody. Dr. Kemp. Yes, thank you so much, Jeff, for bringing this topic up um, and just bringing it to the light and just sharing your knowledge. I might just have a few couple of statements. Um, mm -hmm. You're definitely right. Definitely make sure that you have your credentials right with you. If you have to tape it, to the dashboard so you won't be moving around if you mm -hmm. ever get pulled over and get stopped mm -hmm. um just make sure you have everything right there where they can you know see it um as you mm -hmm. said definitely continue to teach your children have people start reading reading up what your rights are in case you are pulled over mm -hmm. um and as we said they still hadn't passed the john lewis voting act so you know they're definitely trying to make sure that we don't have that right to vote and they'll Absolutely. do it by any means necessary. Absolutely. Um, and, and what baffles me is I can't understand that why we are so disliked as a people because of the greatness that God has put into us. I, it, that's just the one thing that I just can't understand why, why we as a people, you know, just always have the problems that we have. It's just baffling to me. Um, and just the Innocence Project, um, they're definitely out there and the other programs out there, you can definitely donate. So if you're listening, just make sure that, you know, you just donate and just give a little bit because I'm sure every little bit helps. And I have donated to their um, project and I don't even know anybody that I know of that's been wrongfully convicted. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm still going to donate because any little bit, you know, can help somebody. Absolutely. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. Appreciate that, Dr. Kim. One of those things, one thing that's very important, uh, I understand you You don't know why. You said you don't understand why. Uh, I'm a spiritual guy. Uh, I put that before everything. Uh, I, I really suggest that you folks uh, take a second, third, fourth look at that book called that B-I-B-L-E. You know, find your way up in the book of Daniel. Find your way up in the book of Revelation and see if it makes sense to you. Just give it a try. Just give it a try. That's all I'm gonna say on that particular part right there. Clip. Steve, I'm coming to you. Uh, and I will say this before we get started. Uh, Steve's a coach, a son of a coach, legendary mm -hmm. coach Leroy Wright. 
I had the privilege of playing for him as well. And this is the man who I watched go get other players, not his own, mm-hmm. out of jail because he cared that much about young people. And, and, and Steve is the same way. And mm-hmm. so he knows exactly about this topic. Uh, Coach Steve Wright, come on in. Uh, it's a lot to unpack. Uh, Jeff, you did such a great job with this. And Joel and, and, and Dr. Kemp and, and Jim. Uh, it's so much. You know how they always would say, if a black man say, oh, I'm innocent, and then the first thing they say, well, they all say that. Mm-hmm. And just think about the times that, and a lot of times, that they actually are. And like you, you get arrested and you're held in jail for over a year. You haven't been charged. You haven't been convicted. And, and uh, you've got poor representation a lot of times with your court-appointed attorney. Uh, it's so much, uh, like Jeff was talking about, uh, the kid, 16 years old on Rikers Island. And that's not the first time I've heard of a 16-year-old kid being sent to Rikers Island. How could you send a child to Rikers Island? That's 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 almost equivalent to a death sentence. Absolutely. And if and, and the thing about it is, and it's it's not by mistake where if you are have been incarcerated and you can't vote, most of the people that are in the penitentiaries are black, you come out, you can't vote. Why are you losing your right to vote? You served your time. Why are you losing your right to vote? And like you said, like Marla was saying about uh, our race, you know, we built this country. We black black people built this country. Mm-hmm. And we're the most disrespected. Uh, it, it, I mean, it, it, it angers me. It angers me. And like you said, like Jeff said, and like I said, I'm, I'm more spiritual than I am religious. I talk to God all the time. Believe in God strongly. Uh, and you have to you have to have God in your life to navigate what's going on to black people. You really have to. You have to. But it's so much. I mean, you all have left so much to just unpack that we could do a, a whole show on it. And just like being racial profiled. And like Jeff said, the times you've been racial profiled and didn't realize it. How many times has that happened? Well, and, I'm going uh, to tell you this, Steve. Listen, they, one of the things that really it, it baffled me initially is, you know, you you send so you send a person in to do his time. They're convicted, they're prosecuted, they're convicted, and they go in to prison. And they're they're in. They're doing a five or a ten year stint. And so what are they supposed to do when they come out? Yeah. Because the conditions in the prison system, I mean, they really don't, if you, they really don't a hundred percent of the time turn your life around. Yeah. You know, there may be some who say, you know what, I'm going to stay in that library in that prison system. I'm going to read every book, learn what I can learn. I'm going to take advantage of some of the programs in some of the prison systems. But there are some, often there are situations where there is no, nothing is done with your life while you're in there. So you, you, you run into that revolving door 
once you go out and have to deal with the parole officer, and then there are many parole officers that aren't that not on the 100, they're going, <laughs> they're going left on you and using you yeah. for not all, but some. And so those, those challenges, and it pushes you right back into the same community, the same bunch of friends, you on the same hood, doing the same things that got you in there in the first place, put you right back in there. And now we have to go to that little corner where we put that why, W-H-Y, why is this happening? It's big money. Understand that this is big business. And once again, the United States have the largest population of incarceration. This is, folks, this is big business. I cannot stress that enough. So this little wheel, this wheel is going to go round and round. You can best believe that. Cliff? Jim, Sorry, Jim, Steve. Jim, Steve. Jim, Thank you, Steve. Jim, jump in on your, your comments you put in the chat. I want to speak up on it, Jim. First okay. of all, before, before you do, Jim, hold up, Jim. First of all, I know it's 9-11. I want to mm -hmm. ask our listeners and our 16 gauges to put in the chat. Can we go at least, at least, 10 more minutes on this subject. Put yes in the chat if we can. I know we normally get off at nine, but this is so important. Put yes in the chat if we can go 10 more minutes, all right? Everybody saying yes. Go ahead, Jim. Well, Tom Gores is the owner of the Pistons. He owns Platinum. Hello? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. He owns Platinum Equity, which has a $1 billion prison phone debt that mm -hmm. is being... Uh, it's being taken away from him. So that's one billion dollars, not a million, billion. Mm. So there is huge business in prisons mm -hmm. by getting people incarcerated. Prisons are built, as I think uh, Joel said, by the uh, test scores of fourth graders. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And jump, you know, we have, another thing: we have prisons for profit. And prisons for profit are basically prisons that somebody's making money off of. Absolutely. Not being paid by the state, but somebody's making money off of, big money. Absolutely. And they build these in areas that they know they're going to find crime and they know they're going to have people. And judges have even been paid to send, to send people to prison just to fill these slots. Oh, yeah. yeah. Without Jeff, can I jump in on this one? Is it okay? Jeff? Can I jump on this one? Well, listen, if you if you Google, just Google some of the investors that put money into these prisons and see what names come up. Hmm. Understand me. See what names come up that the folk that actually invest in the prison system. See what names come up. And you'll be surprised some of the names that we, you know, that we cheer for and we think are you know, some yeah. of our big celebs and stuff like this. Those, these are the names that put, they invest in these prisons because they know it's money-making business. That's what it is. What it is. Go ahead, go ahead, Cliff. Yeah, I, I, I want to talk on, on, on a couple of things. First of all, if you can get a copy of the book, The New Jim Crowism yep. by Michelle Alexander. Mm -hmm. It's one of the greatest books that you can get on this subject. Um, Again, The New Jim Crowism by Michelle Alexander. The second thing is, Jeff, uh, and my, my listeners may not know that, our, our listeners, is that 
I, I went back and got a degree, a, a master's in education, okay? Mm -hmm. But my thesis was on the special educational system design and the money that goes into it and the direct correlation to the amount of black boys that go through special ed, never catch up educationally or put back in mainstream classes by the eighth grade that end up in jail. Absolutely. And they did a study that most prisoners not only did not finish high school, but the higher proportion of African-Americans came out of special ed somewhere between the first and sixth grade. It's a direct correlation. So we have to even go further down the pipeline to battle this thing. Go ahead, Jeff, let's speak up. Yeah, that's, that's, that is extremely important, Cliff. Another thing that caught me that I didn't realize, so I, I did a self-check of some of the friends that I came up with. Yeah. And some of the young men in particular that I'm side by side with them in seventh, eighth grade, you know, going into high school and then them as a dropout where they are now in life. I just did that with the friends around me. And I'm saying, man, that's it's a clear sign that that is a major, major issue. So this design, this chess game that's being played against us starts early, starts early in life. So it's dealing with our education, it's dealing with our learning system, it's labeling us as you know, incompetent, it's labeling us in different areas that we know that our children aren't in. And so that's the first thing. Then without the education comes the finance. Mm. If you're not educated, you don't know how to navigate through life. If you're not financed, it's extreme, folks, it is extremely difficult just for a grown man to navigate through life. This is a killer. I thank the Lord every day that my, my, my kids actually graduated through college. They went through college. This is a killer. Some things we can say they're on the government by design, but a lot of things we can say Oh, no, we have to take accountability for some of the steps that we haven't done as parents, some of the steps that we haven't done as children, as youth that are going out into the world. These things are breaking us down as a society, and it only looks like it's getting worse. Cliff. Yeah. Jeff, before Steve jumps in, I just want to read what uh, our Hall of Famer Renee Spencer said in the chat. We have to pour into and invest in our young people. Steve, you got the mic. Yeah, uh, well, I just want to chime in, and and, and uh, Joel and uh, and and Jim, you'll know this. A lot of times, our kids, black kids, they're put in special ed not because of their mental capacity; it's because they're judged a behavioral problem. Absolutely, and that's why they're there. I was asked by one principal at a high school. He said. You don't write referrals. What 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 do you do? What you don't write referrals? I said most of the time if I have a problem with a kid, we'll argue it's over, and at the end of the class, we'll say we are right, yeah, and we'll hug, and it's over. Hmm. Because I know what's gonna happen if I write the kid up. If I write the kid up, my thing is I want to keep you in that building for seven and a half hours to keep you off the streets because I know what's gonna happen. If you're not in school, I know what's going to happen if you're not in school. And, uh, you know, I used to, uh, 
I made a comment and I was joking. And I said, I was joking. I said, you know what? I get all the crazy kids in my class and I started laughing. And a lady looked me dead in the eye and she's looked at me. She said, seriously, she said, you know, we do that on purpose. I said, no. She said, yeah, you're the only one that will control them and you won't write them up. I said, you know, I just try to, I'm not no hero. I just try to deal with it. I know what's going to happen. I worked 25 years and I guarantee you in 25 years, I didn't get close to writing 25 referrals in 25 years. I dealt with the problems myself. If I wrote you up, you you know you really <laughs> you, you really did something because they would be surprised. I mean, the prison would be like, right, wrote you up? <laughs> I mean, it was because I would, I would deal with it because I knew what was going to happen. I understand. I understand, Steve. I, under, I appreciate that too. Mm -hmm. I would say this too, Steve, and this is for everyone. We need, to, I really believe in my heart that everyone needs to re-examine what they can do for someone else. What they can do in the presence of another young person, a niece, a nephew, a teammate, or some child that you come in contact with that they may, you may for five minutes have their ear. Do you pass them by? Do you not say anything? Or do you say, you know what? I got this little bit of nugget. Let me just bless this young person. Somewhere down the line, it might help. It has to start somewhere. And it can't be just left on the teachers who have them eight hours of a day. And they go home and they, you know, cursing our mama, cursing our daddy, and they're going to come back to class. It can't happen like that. The coaches got to take, listen, everybody who has ever been a coach at any sport, you know for sure that you're not just coaching that basketball, that football, that, that volleyball. Come on, come it's on, not about come that. On. It's never about that. If it is, you need to get off of that job and give it to somebody who understands that this particular soul in front of me needs more of me. That's what my responsibility is for. And so you cannot pass these opportunities. If we took a stand like that, even the minimal stand, like, okay, I'm just going to take one child and I'm not going to let them out of my presence without giving them everything I've got so they don't fall off this road and be stuck in, you know, in a particular situation or place in life. We got to do something like that, man. We got to do something like that. Cliff. We're going to do this. Yeah, this is definitely. <laughs> Jeff asked me to, that I think he would get enough questions earlier. I laughed at him before we got on the air, you know. I know what it's. Listen, we, we have been blessed on this show to have who we have on our staff, the three educators uh, at the high school level, and um, all of them were brilliant. Uh, Dr. Kemp in the healthcare field, my brother Jeff, who's on securities, and so much more, Jim. I mean, um, I just want to let our 87 engagement people now who listen to the show and the 17 more who are in the chat know who we're listening to. And I know when they looked at the title of this show, it says the sports talk, the best of women in HBCU, but I also put on there and a little bit more because we are going to touch these subjects that are so important to us. And we're going to give you that little or a lot more when necessary. Joelle and Dr. Kent will let you have the last two comments tonight. Um, coming to you, Joelle. 
Uh, yes, I absolutely agree with our co-host with Steve as in being a teacher. I wrote very few referrals and I just retired. So I spent decades in there. It's about understanding our our kids. And like Jeff said, how do you, how do we build a system to where we interpret in a village of support? It's time now that we go to, I want to make one comment. I remember when we reported uh, kids, when you're talking about high as, 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 as far as education and finances, the flip side of it is what special ed and poverty, correct? Mm-hmm. So they based it off of that. Well, as parents or or black folks, we have to understand no more did I want to sit in front of some parents and they argue with me on trying to get their kids together. It's like they was accepting special ed or saying this or this label and I'm their teacher. There's nothing wrong with them. They need to learn how to sit down, be still, pay attention, turn in your paperwork on time and set a goal. So it's time we meet these kids where they are and help build them and the families, the unit. And we do as much as we can is where I see build the skill set and come together. I think there's so many captains in this. We just keep talking about it and and keep coming together. And back to Bill Clinton, uh, when he came in, it was profit uh, for the prison system. And also we were dealing with drugs and stuff they know all of this we just catch up later so you feel the system the prison systems and the with those who break or fall into drugs or into poverty or some you're because stealing because you're you know yes you're you can't afford and once you're in the system it's hard to break it or get out and a lot of times we've turned our back on those that fell in there so i've committed my life as well as many of those help free our people help those that are willing that come through with the right attitude let's walk up out of there and get our voting rights back and able to own property and build our own schools and systems like black wall street why not Mm-hmm. Come on, mm-hmm. come on. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. And then, and then Jeff, I'm going to come to you and I'll, I'll close it up. That's Jeff. Well, Dr. Burke, after all of that, what, <laughs> what more can I say? But Let the church it, it, say amen. It, <laughs> takes amen, amen. it takes a village, and we just have to all make sure that we stay together in the village to do what we have to do to 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 help solve this this issue and this huge problem because we already know it's a huge problem yes it is yes it is well to the 107 people who are listening 90 engaged and another 17 in the studio make sure you have someone download this show let's double the amount of people that hear it jeff Give us your final comments. Well, just just the one thing that I I, I used to talk about to some of my players, uh, coach the team uh, in New York and coach the team down here in the youth league in my church. I had to, the main thing I wanted them to understand is that they are not alone. They're not alone. And in this situation, I think it's up to us as a grownups, as adults, to focus on the community around us and remember that 
the same way we were not alone because none of us made it to where we are without the help of someone else. Amen. I goddamn guarantee that. No amen. doubt about it. Amen. So let's pass that on to somebody else. Let's pass it on to somebody else's child, daughter, son, a friend, a sister, brother. When we see somebody needs that advice, give them that advice. If they don't take it, they don't take it. If they don't use it, they don't use it. But let's never keep it to ourselves. The only way we're going to be able to fight this adversary is if we do it together. That's the only way it can get done. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, Jeff. Tremendous, tremendous job. I, I can't say it enough. Um, I want to say to all my co-hosts on this tremendous the important topic, Dr. Kemp, Joel, Jim, Steve, everybody in the chat, 96 engaged listeners, and 17 of those who are typing in the chat box. Dr. Cliff Burton Friends truly says thank you. We're not through with this subject. Ambrosia, we're coming back. We're not through with this subject. Now, before we go, let me change gears just a little bit. In two weeks, January 16th, we have a treat coming. Coach Kareem Tarver, the women's gymnastics coach at Fisk University, who has put HBCUs on the map in the field of gymnastics. In fact, she's coordinated a, uh, a historic meet on January 15th. All six black coaches in the country, there's six now that coach gymnastics, four at white schools, two at HBCUs, will be competing in the first historic meet at Vanderbilt's uh, Memorial Gymnasium in Nashville, Tennessee. So they're doing it on the 15th. We will get her first interview right here on Dr. Cliff Burton Friends on the 16th. She's emailed me and confirmed we are so excited. Spread the word. She's nothing but a legend. And besides, she was the first African-American female in 1989 at the University of Georgia to win the NCAA Division I all-around competition in gymnastics herself. Coach Kareem Tarver, you got it, January 16th, right here on Dr. Cliff Burton Friends. Everybody, I can't say thank you enough, and we'll see you back in 168 hours from now. Thank you, everybody.